I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. I am sorry only that this is not a capital case. Donald Trump is a traitor to this nation and a danger to its literal survival. And he has spit on everyone who serves it, and on every military member, present and past, active, veterans, dead alike. He has been and he remains a threat to the safety of every one of us, and he will be so as long as he lives. Donald Trump has jeopardized this nation's security. He has jeopardized its rule of law. He has jeopardized its position as a leader in this world. And those whose response to the breathtaking scope of the 37 charges against him is to lash out at the prosecution or defend the indefensible or promise retribution in the courts, they have lost all connection to morality, personal and national. Those who have vowed revenge or an eye for an eye have lost all right to serve in our government in any capacity. I am very, very sorry that when Donald Trump goes on trial for his traitorous, treacherous, treasonous crimes against the United States of America, that he will face only the possibility of sentences totaling 100 years. That is not enough. It is that bad. Quote, the classified documents Trump stored in his boxes included information regarding defense and weapons capabilities of both the United States and foreign countries, reads the indictment. The next sentence is worse. Trump had documents detailing United States nuclear programs. There are references to a document about American nuclear weaponry and another document about another country's nuclear capacity. But the next sentence is worse. He had potential vulnerabilities of the United States and its allies to military attack. But the next sentence is even worse. 
He had America's plans for possible retaliation to a foreign attack. All that keeps us safe from countries which still truly harbor dreams of attacking this country militarily. North Korea, Russia, maybe China. All that could have enabled those countries to transform those dreams into battle plans. All of that Donald Trump stole and kept and kept near the Mar-a-Lago club swimming pool and near the liquor supply closet. And other documents were kept in the bathroom next to the toilet. It is that bad. It is as bad as the Rosenbergs. It is as bad as the other nuclear spies of the 1950s. It is as bad as Rick Ames and Robert Hansen. It is, in fact, worse. It is not only worse, it is worse than we could possibly have imagined, and it may yet be worse than we even know today after the indictment. It is so bad that former FBI Deputy Counterintelligence Chief Pete Strzok says there seem to be as many as 13 top-secret documents recovered in the FBI's search of Mar-a-Lago, about which no charges were filed. Strzok suggests, based on his long experience, that the Department of Justice had to get permission from each agency that owned the information to even publicly acknowledge that a document was missing or stolen or existed, and that in those 13 cases, the acknowledgement was too dangerous and the documents were too secret, too sensitive, too vital to the security of the nation to even be referred to, let alone to be part of a criminal case. A reading of the indictment shows several occasions in which some of the code names and other terminology of the documents and terminology in the documents had to be redacted in the indictment itself. These crimes are so bad that you need special clearance just to be told exactly what some of them are. Trump stole and kept documents from the Department of Defense. He stole and kept documents from the National Security Agency. He stole and kept documents from the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. He stole and kept documents from the National Reconnaissance Office. He stole and kept documents from the Department of Energy. He stole and kept documents from the State Department Bureau of Intelligence and Research. And these were not mistakes. These were not accidents. These were not souvenirs. This was not hoarding. This was a curated collection. Trump chose the most secret, the most sensitive, the most damaging, the most important documents. He took them with him. He chose which ones he might give back. He worried to this Walt Nauda that the boxes he kept them in had been labeled with too many details about what the boxes contained. He replaced the tops to the boxes because the old ones were insufficient. This was his collection, and at least twice including in the case of that Mark Milley Iran document to the Mark Meadows ghostwriters, he showed parts of his collection off to people who never should have seen any of it. And as he did so, he acknowledged that he had no right to do so, and still he showed the documents off like your grandmother and her Hummel figurines. And then when he was done with them, they were left off in where they sat. On December 7th, 2021, Another date which shall live in infamy. Walt Nauda found boxes and their contents strewn on the floor of the storage room 
One document he saw said it was releasable only to the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance. Trump spilling secrets, literally, on the floor. It is bad. It is so bad that the conservative David Frum may have stated this half-jokingly, but what he stated is entirely true. Any hostile foreign intelligence service that failed to steal U.S. secrets from Trump's Mar-a-Lago stash owes its taxpayers a big refund. That is dark and bitter humor, and it contains a more awful truth still. How do we know all the hostile foreign intelligence services failed to steal our secrets from Mar-a-Lago, from the floor, from the bathroom? How do we not know we are not, today, compromised, endangered, imperiled? And all along, Trump knew he was breaking the law. Document after document and day after day, breaking the law by having the documents, breaking the law by keeping the documents, trying to get his attorney to break the law for him. Trump telling somebody not to stand quite that close to one of the classified documents because they didn't have the right clearance. The idiocy of it. Trump, this was done by the military and given to me. Trump looks to a staffer there with him and, and to the civilians. He asks the staffer, I think we can probably write. The staffer says, I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to. Trump interrupts him to classify it. The staffer replies, figure out a, a, yeah. Trump says, see, as president, I could have declassified it. Everybody laughs. Trump again, now I can't, you know, but this is still a secret. Staffer says, now we have a problem. Trump, seemingly looking at the secret document he never should have shown, never should have referred to, never should have stolen, now says, isn't that interesting? And finally, when it looked like they would catch him, Trump's response was not the easiest and coincidentally most honest thing, the thing that would have made all of this never happen. The only thing our government actually wanted as of a year ago. He never once entertained the thought of giving it back. In May of 2022, Evan Corcoran told him they needed to search for classified documents in order to be responsive to the Department of Justice subpoena. I don't want anybody looking through my boxes, Trump told him. I really don't. I don't want you looking through my boxes. He asked Corcoran, what happens if we just don't respond at all or don't play ball with them? He philosophized Corcoran, wouldn't it be better if we just told them we don't have anything here? Isn't it better if there are no documents? And then he ruminated... After all he had said about this topic, he ruminated about what a wonderful job the Hillary Clinton aide had done, the one who deleted all the emails so, as he said, she wouldn't get into trouble. And then after Trump seemed to give in to the idea that Corcoran would have to search, on June 1st, Trump had now to move 11 boxes out of that storage room, and then Trump asked Corcoran if Corcoran was coming back to Mar-a-Lago the next day, and then on the next day, June 2nd, he got Walt now to move 64 more boxes, including classified materials, out of the storage room and to Trump's residence, but he only had him return 30 boxes. And then he let Corcoran search the room that Trump had already searched. And then Trump asked innocently, did you find anything? Is it bad? Good? 
Since I met him in December 1983, almost nothing about Donald Trump has amazed me. Certainly nothing about Trump and the documents case has amazed me in these last months. Yet it still stuns me. It still makes me shake that those defending him are not defending him. Nobody is saying he didn't do these things. They say only he had the right to break the laws of the country or that the laws of the country do not apply to him. Or they threaten us. Weaponization. Impeach Merrick Garland. An eye for an eye. One idiot on Fox demanded that Dr. Jill Biden be arrested in return. All these excuses, these admissions that, yes, there are two tiers of law enforcement in this country and the Trumpists believe in that system because they believe they are in the tier which writes the laws and the rest of us are in the tier upon whom the laws are enacted. And if you try to use the laws against them, you have politicized justice. It is a vendetta. It is politics. It is a banana republic. It is one presidential candidate targeting his opponent criminally. Trump tried to have Hillary Clinton investigated for the Uranium One deal. He tried to have the Clinton campaign investigated for supposed collusion with Russia to help her lose, I guess. He tried to have the Clinton Foundation investigated for unspecified corruption. He tried to have the Obama administration investigated for tapping his phones. He tried to have Obama investigated over Russia. He tried to have Adam Schiff charged with treason. He tried to have Joe Biden charged with treason. He tried to have Google charged with treason. He tried to have Senator Blumenthal charged with lying about his military service. He tried to have Speaker Pelosi charged with lying about Russia. He tried to have Senator Warner tried for illegally discussing the Mueller investigation. He tried to have an anonymous New York Times op-ed writer charged for national security violations. He tried to have the FBI charged with infiltrating his campaign. He tried to have the DOJ charged with infiltrating his campaign. He tried to have James Comey charged for leaks. He tried to have Robert Mueller charged for conflicts of interest. He tried to have Andy McCabe charged for political donations received by his wife. He tried to have Congressman Cummings charged because Baltimore was a mess. He tried to have Fusion GPS charged for dealing with Christopher Steele. He tried to have Mueller prosecutor Andrew Weissman investigated just because he tried to have Christopher Steele charged over the dossier. He tried to have Bruce Orr charged for meeting with Christopher Steele. He tried to have Pete Strzok charged for texting Lisa Page. He tried to have Lisa Page charged with texting with Pete Strzok. He tried to have Joe Scarborough investigated over the death of a staffer. One presidential candidate criminally targeting his opponents. What was that again? And he did something like this again. At arm's length, as recently as last month, and we really didn't notice it. But yesterday, the impeccable Scott McFarlane of CBS News did a little juxtaposition of the timelines, now that the DOJ has confirmed its timeline. On May 19th, the special counsel advised Trump he was a target. That day, he posted, Election interference through the use of the corrupt FBI and DOJ is the 2023 playbook for the radical left Democrats, rhinos, and other lunatics among us. Here's the part. Hopefully, Jim Jordan and our many Republican congressional patriots will stop them cold. The future of our country is counting on it. All honest FBI agents and representatives must step forward now. It is your time. Understanding what he had been told that day, that is a call for something akin to a military coup against the government of the United States to be led by FBI agents and members of the House of Representatives and specifically led by Jim Jordan. That is what Trump wanted. 
And the defense of Trump is not a defense of Trump at all. It is a chorus of so what's and we'll show you's. And there are Republicans and conservatives who see the reality here, and now they will be threatened. Two of Trump's lawyers quit. James Trusty was on television yesterday morning defending him. By afternoon, he and John Rowley were out. Jonathan Turley, who has for many years seemingly been acting like a man possessed or blackmailed or hallucinating, said, quote, it is an extremely damning indictment. This is not an indictment that you can dismiss. It's really breathtaking. The visual and audio tape evidence is really daunting. Senator Murkowski rather blandly noted the real risk here. Mishandling classified documents is a federal crime because it can expose national secrets. Anyone found guilty, whether an analyst, a former president, or another elected or appointed official, should face the same set of consequences. Senator Romney spoke up. Trump brought these charges upon himself by not only taking classified documents, but by refusing to simply return them when given numerous opportunities to do so, which is, Senator, exactly correct. And everybody else, they are threatening the rest of us. Trump last night, see you in Miami on Tuesday. I hope we do not repeat the mistakes of January 6th. These are insurrectionist militias. They understand only force. The government needs as much force as possible pointed at the militias, in which case, because they are bullies and cowards, they will not do a thing and there will not even be a rock thrown by either side. Harry Fleischer, a liar for two different presidents and also for the international scum of the earth, said every wise Republican should make a pledge they would pardon Donald Trump, which I believe would make every one of them part of a criminal conspiracy to break the same laws that Trump has now been charged with breaking. The sixth-string conservative commentator Monica Crowley urged Republicans to fight fire with fire. The insurrectionist Congressman Andy Biggs wrote, We have now reached a war phrase, eye for an eye. And the Louisiana Congressman Clay Higgins tweeted a cryptic call for nothing less than a second January 6th and full-on civil war. Quote, President Trump said he has been summoned to appear at the federal courthouse in Miami on Tuesday at 3 p.m. This is a perimeter probe from the oppressor hold our POTUS has this buckle up one of slash 50k know your bridges rock steady calm that is all obviously this is a deranged middle-aged man playing soldier in his mind he wants thousands to show up and block bridges and the rest of it is QAnon gibberish. But it is an incitement to rebellion against the duly elected government of the United States. And Clay Higgins should be arrested immediately and then, first of all, given a psych eval. Of more practical concern going forward, this case is, at least for the moment, in the hands of the MAGA judge, Eileen Cannon. The same Trump appointee who tried to stop the investigation last year and then inserted a special master into the equation to decide what the DOJ could and could not look at from Mar-a-Lago and who was overturned and reprimanded by higher courts at every turn. And she has been assigned this case. Charlie Savage of The New York Times writes that last year he wrote to the chief clerk of the Southern District of Florida anticipating something 
He asked about Cannon's potential involvement going forward in the event of further legal action in Florida, and he was told by the clerk, quote, we do not assign related cases to the same judge. A related case will still be randomly assigned. Meaning, unless somebody fixed this, Judge Cannon should go play the lottery right now because she, out of about 30 eligible Florida judges, got the one case she should never be allowed near. The former federal prosecutor, Joyce Aline, thinks that this is temporary, that the judge is expected to recuse, that if she is still on the case, Jack Smith can challenge her role and would win that challenge. A Cal law professor named Orrin Kerr says maybe not. Judges who do not choose recusal are usually given at least a chance to not screw up the trial before they are removed for screwing up the trial. And that is the problem with Cannon more than anything else. The immediate enemy is delay. Judge Cannon could accept the most ridiculous of Trump legal challenges and stays. She might also rule out the entirety of the Evan Corcoran lawyer evidence. She could refuse to keep secret documents unseen outside of court. The prosecution might therefore have to not pursue Trump on some or all of those documents. She could give weight to this crap about the Justice Department's Jay Bratt mentioning a witness's lawyer's judgeship application. And even if none of it actually harms the case and all of it is wiped away by a real judge, it can simply delay, delay, delay. And every delay means the greater likelihood that the trial and the appeal and the appeals of the appeal will not be over before the election and that the Republicans will not just run a candidate who has been indicted and arrested for some of the worst national security crimes in this nation's history, the worst when the degree of his violation of his oath is considered, they will not only run this scumbag, they will run him lustily. I will never forgive Merrick Garland for dragging his feet. These indictments could have come last January or last September. The future chances of the democracy are now diminished because Merrick Garland could not see what all the rest of us, the ones who have not spent our lives in the law, he could not see what all the rest of us saw. And to that end, and lastly, I wanted to address the difference between shock and surprise. I read the indictment and found it blurring before my eyes because I was shaking. That was shock. It is shock now. I have, as I mentioned, known Donald Trump for nearly 40 years and have always known him evil and irresponsible and selfish beyond all measure and not sane. And still this shocks me, as I'm sure it shocks you, but it does not surprise me. Because nearly everything in the 37 counts against him and in that document Jack Smith released yesterday, you and I have heard that before. Nearly all of it. The shock is to see it all in one place and confirmed and on the record. But last August 11th, August 11th, Devlin Barrett, Josh Dawsey, Perry Stein, and Shane Harris wrote this in the Washington Post, quote, classified documents relating to a nuclear weapon were among the items FBI agents sought in search of former President Donald Trump's Florida residence on Monday, according to people familiar with the investigation. August 11th. And on August 25th, August 25, a former Wall Street Journal and Washington Post investigative reporter named Ronald Kessler went on Fox. 
Kessler wrote 21 books about the FBI and the CIA and the Secret Service and the White House, and then he became something of a florid conservative shill. He wrote an adoring biography of Laura Bush. He wrote another praising the presidency of her husband. He wrote a third worshiping Trump. He had last been seen early in 2022 on Newsmax doing a fawning Trump documentary. Yet not even three weeks into the Mar-a-Lago documents case, which crested yesterday with these 37 indictments, while the Fox on-screen graphics first read, did the FBI bug Mar-a-Lago? And then, what is the FBI hiding? And then, the FBI's shady bugging techniques. Ronald Kessler, Trump apologist, went rogue. First, Kessler said that the level of secret classification for the documents Trump took to Mar-a-Lago was above and beyond top secret and above and beyond sensitive slash compartmented. And then before the guy on Fox could stop him, Ronald Kessler, a Trump guy, began to explain what specific kinds of documents would be classified and above and beyond those levels of secrecy. The boxes of documents Trump took, Kessler said, quote, could very well include the plans for counter-striking against Russia in the event of a nuclear attack. That's something that's part of the football program, which I've written about, where the president chooses options from these documents on how to respond. He has to respond within 20 minutes to prevent annihilation of the United States. That's one item that could be in these documents, unquote, at Mar-a-Lago. Last August, he said this. United States nuclear programs, it says in the indictment document. Potential vulnerabilities of the United States, it says in the document. And its allies to military attacks, it says in the document. Plans for possible retaliation to a foreign attack. Ronald Kessler saw all that and said all that 289 days ago. And he said something else. And I still don't know, and we still don't know, that his second speculation is not as correct as his first. Kessler also believed that Trump might be holding on to, quote, our penetrations by the CIA of foreign embassies, of foreign leaders like Putin, as well as recruitment of spies overseas. So we're talking about incredibly valuable secrets that the Russians, of course, would have been after. The Russians would have been trying to penetrate Mar-a-Lago day and night, he said, and very possibly did recruit spies to obtain these documents. These documents. They were next to toilets and on storage room floors and on the bandstand in a ballroom and near the pool. Never mind whether Trump sold them. As David Frum half joked, how did the Russians not steal them? How did the Chinese not steal them? How did the North Koreans not steal them? How did the Saudis not steal them? And more terrifying still, more terrifying again, and what keeps me up at night. How can we be certain that nobody did steal them? The rest of this edition of the podcast is from the Friday edition, before the full scope of the 37-count indictment was revealed. It had been written in the wake of Trump's announcement of his own indictment of seven counts, which, like everything else he's ever said, was a lie. If you heard Friday's podcast, there is no need to stay through the break. If you did not, please, you have my invitation to do so. It's pretty good, although the advertisers would probably prefer I not say any of that. 
That's next. This is Countdown. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play Donald Trump has been indicted on seven charges, and the foremost of them is clearly a violation of the Espionage Act, specifically one designed to send to prison for up to 10 years someone who was legally allowed to possess unclassified national defense information, but who refused to return that information in whatever form it took to the proper government authorities. It is 18 U.S. Code 793D, and it fits the allegations against Trump better than any of his suits. It erases all his stated defenses and excuses, like Trump's belief he owned a magic wand of declassification, and a new defense posited in just the last few days that he was the president, so of course he had the right to possess and keep all defense information. 18 U.S. Code 793D describes a crime involving information that is not classified, which the defendant at some point did have the right to possess, and it's still illegal. 18 U.S. Code 793D would seemingly box Trump in without the possibility of escape. Trump's lawyer, James Trusty, told CNN last night he has not even seen the actual indictment, but only had broad strokes painted to him, and he mentioned the willful retention part of the Espionage Act, thus essentially confirming 18 U.S. Code 793D. He mentioned multiple charges about false statements about conspiracy and, quote, several obstruction-based charges, including witness tampering. To go back to the beginning, 
at approximately 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Thursday, June 8, 2023, his attorneys were informed by the Department of Justice by phone, and he was then informed by those attorneys that Trump had been indicted in Miami on seven separate sealed counts of criminal conduct, none of them yet formally revealed to the public, but clearly pertaining to the classified and defense documents he stole and kept in his home and his office at Mar-a-Lago and reportedly including charges of illegal retention of national defense information, conspiracy to obstruct justice, false statements to government investigators. Seven counts. For context, the usual number of indictments for former presidents or current presidential candidates is approximately zero. CBS News is reporting that for all of his bravado, when that happened, Trump reacted to the indictments with anger because Trump had, quote, people in his inner circle who reassured him for months that it was very unlikely to happen. The entire Miami grand jury process was apparently news to him, and he really believed there was a chance that the meeting between his attorneys, Trusty and Rowley and Halligan, with Jack Smith, the special counsel, on Monday might have turned into some form of negotiation. CBS also reports Trump's team now will move to dismiss and to try to question Jack Smith or Jay Bratt of the Justice Department, the latter over a casual remark he made to one witness's lawyers about the lawyer's application to become a judge, which Trump's lawyers will now try to blow up into a reason that Trump should walk on all of these charges and all other charges forever and ever and ever. Trump is also reported shocked by the reported cooperation of his former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. And CBS's Robert Costa quotes a Trump ally as fuming, quote, why the F has he been so quiet? Well, I can answer that. The specifics of what is the first federal indictment of a former president only because Richard Nixon was preemptively pardoned by the president who succeeded him, Gerald Ford, are, as of recording time, entirely unofficial and just sourced. But the centerpiece of all reporting is, as it was phrased by ABC News, quote, willful retention of national defense information. If that is the correct characterization, it would seem to be exactly what the UK paper The Independent had reported on Wednesday, that special counsel Smith had made the deliberate decision to prosecute Trump not for stealing or possessing classified information, but to proceed instead under 18 U.S. Code 793. As that newspaper's Andrew Feinberg wrote, the use of Section 793, which does not make reference to classified information, is understood to be a strategic decision by prosecutors that has been made to short-circuit Mr. Trump's ability to claim that he used his authority as president to declassify documents he removed from the White House, unquote. Conviction for violation of that code 793, gathering, transmitting, or losing defense information, carries a penalty of a fine or of up to 10 years in prison or both. Since paragraph D lists 14 different kinds of defense information, 14 different forms of defense information, let me abridge the code somewhat as I read it to you. Quote, whoever lawfully having possession of, access to, control over, or being entrusted with any document, etc., relating to the national defense, 
willfully retains the same and fails to deliver it on demand to the officer or employee of the United States entitled to receive it, unquote, is guilty of violating that statute. That not only reads as if it were written to describe exactly what Trump did with all the documents, but as suggested previously, it denies Trump any claim that he had declassified those materials because the crime does not depend on there being any classified materials. It circumvents the entirety of Trump's declassification defense. And were he now to try to defend himself by modifying it to claim that he had the right to possess the defense information, that is also irrelevant. The first clause of this magic wand, 18 U.S. Code 793D, whoever lawfully having possession of defense information. Moreover, we may have previously been given a preview of exactly what that defense information is, or at least what one piece of that defense information could be, even if there are multiple allegations, even if there is just one indictment for 10,000 pieces of paper. On May 31st, CNN reported that Trump had been recorded by the ghostwriters for Mark Meadows, referring to, seemingly holding in his hands, seemingly paraphrasing, what Trump said was a four-page document from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, which outlined United States military plans for an attack on Iran. Trump refers to the fact on the recording that he cannot just show it to the writers because he can't unilaterally declassify material. There was also subsequent reporting that the National Archives asked for the return of a document matching Trump's own description of the four-page Milley Iran plan, but Trump's lawyers could not find it, and by all accounts, did not and have not returned it. I referred to this four-page document on this podcast on that date as the smoking gun I think I'll stick with that reference. Of course, any charge under 18 U.S. Code 793D would be so broad, could be so broad, that it could contain almost any document Trump kept, or all of them, or just the classified ones, or just the unclassified ones, or just the ones he claimed had been declassified. It doesn't matter if Trump actually had some kind of magic wand. It matters only that Jack Smith has one now. We do not, and probably will not, have any kind of understanding of the math. Where do seven counts come from when virtually all reporting creates three column headings for the crimes of Donald Trump? Again, to quote ABC's reporting, willful retention of national defense information. Well, we got that one clear, I hope. Conspiracy, scheme to conceal, and false statements and representations. Per the impeccable Ryan Goodman of Just Security, scheme to conceal could easily be 18 U.S. Code 1001. Quote, whoever in any matter within the jurisdiction of the executive, legislative, or judicial branch of the government falsifies, conceals, or covers up by any trick, scheme, or device a material fact, unquote, relevant to a prosecution that carries fines or prison up to five years for doing that. False statements. That's a little less obvious, since there is no evidence that Trump himself has made any statements to any official in this investigation. That, after all, is the art of being Trump. You don't go on the record. 
that guy does. But the New York Times observes Trump could still be guilty of violating 18 U.S. Code 2. Quote, whoever commits an offense against the United States or aids, abets, counsels, commands, induces, or procures its commission is punishable as a principle. Slight translation here. If you caused it to happen, it's the same as you actually doing it yourself. To resume 18 U.S. Code 2, whoever willfully causes an act to be done, which if directly performed by him or another would be an offense against the United States, is punishable as a principle. Well, what on earth could that be? That could easily be making his own attorney, Evan Corcoran, draw up that document saying that a thorough search of Mar-a-Lago had been conducted and these 38 classified documents were all we found. And here's Christina Bob's signature on it at the bottom. When, in fact, Trump himself had made sure that it could not have been a thorough search because he moved all the boxes back and forth and he kept Corcoran from searching anywhere but in the storage room. Or it could be what I mentioned to you yesterday, this newly reported fascination that prosecutors have with the original draft of a January 2022 statement that included a claim that everything had been returned to the archives then, a claim that was removed from the final statement on the matter in January 2022. Again, this is all just reading tea leaves, and we are reading tea leaves because by Department of Justice Code of Honor or God knows what, the indictment is sealed. That secrecy by the special counsel has left the entire publicity playing field clear for Trump and every Republican under the sun to get out their version of this, right down to Trump, in fact, being the first to reveal his own indictment in a social media post at 7.21 p.m. Eastern. Quote, the corrupt Biden administration has informed my attorneys that I have been indicted seemingly over the boxes, etc., 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 followed by I have been summoned to appear at the federal courthouse in Miami on Tuesday at 3 p.m. He did not add, be there. Aloha. There followed an avalanche of Banana Republic references and a blitz of fundraising emails and a promise from the unintentional parody presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy to pardon Trump on January 20th, 2025, which given Trump's intention to be president again and his insistence that he is innocent may not be the flex that Ramaswamy thinks it is. A couple of brief scenes offstage worth noting. The New York Times' Glenn Thrush may have seen the indictment in real time. Shortly before 3.30 yesterday in the courtyard of the Justice Department, writes Thrush, quote, Marshall Miller, a top department official who acted as an intermediary with the special counsel, raced out of the building with a wad of papers in his hand and an aide in tow. Also, the reputation of the Secret Service continues to disintegrate. The Washington Post writes, Secret Service officials in Washington and members of Trump's security detail accompanying him in New Jersey were caught off guard by his announcement Thursday night that he had been indicted. Within moments of his post on Truth Social, Secret Service officials began emailing one another and setting in motion a series of planning meetings in Washington and Miami. Really? They were surprised? How? What happened here? 
Did the Secret Service transfer those agents who had been guarding the home of the National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan back in April when an intoxicated man sashayed past every last one of them at three o'clock in the morning and broke into Sullivan's house and they never noticed because they were too busy looking at their cell phones and they didn't know about it until Sullivan came out and told them himself? Same guys? Surprised? Other notes. Newt Gingrich testified yesterday, presumably about Trump bilking his own rubes for funds to fight a stolen election that he knew was not stolen, or about the fake electors scheme, or both. And that serves as a reminder that Jack Smith's investigations and possible charges against Trump continue on all other fronts. Also, Steve Bannon has been subpoenaed, and the Biden White House insists that it learned of the indictments last night only when they saw it in media. You know, I did get out one of the first tweets on the Trump announcement. I'm hoping they saw that. Lastly, since man's most distant ancestor climbed out of the primordial ooze, every momentous event in our history has always been accompanied by an equally momentous, stupid event. There was the 21-gun salute in which the honoree got shot. There was the new state-of-the-art baseball stadium that opened without a press box for the reporters to sit in. And now there is Trump's indictment announcement and the worst home video ever recorded. It is a masterpiece of missteps. It is on the Rushmore of rushed work. It is a new high in low. Trump posted it at 7.57 from his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey. He is standing in front of a large painting seemingly depicting a White House office scene from the late 19th century. Trump has been positioned directly under an overhead spotlight of some kind. So his flock of seagulls comb over that he has honed to exactly his preferred shade of spray-on gold rustoleum has instead been bleached white, and it looks like a white yarmulke that has slid forward towards his bright white eyebrows. He is also perfectly placed in front of that painting in such a way that a man in the painting who is standing, I think it could be President Chester A. Arthur or even President Grover Cleveland, although the body language suggests it's Mr. Peanut, the man in the painting is perfectly positioned and seems to be about a foot tall and seems to be standing on top of Trump's right shoulder. If this great gazoo effect were not already hilarious enough, the man standing on Trump's shoulder, the foot-tall man on Trump's shoulder, is twirling his mustache like he is Snidely Whiplash, who has just tied Nell Fenwick to the railroad tracks, and he is standing on Trump's shoulder as Trump announces he has been indicted for crimes against the United States of America. What a fitting way to end the coverage of the first time in our history. Oh, wait, I forgot something. I forgot. There's new lyrics to my favorite song. I got indicted in Miami. Ding. 
gone, the counts are gonna climb. Book me and bail me, try me and jail me, but get me to the trial on time. Thank you, Nancy Faust. Also of interest here, as if we could possibly possibly top the indictment of Donald Trump on seven different charges. Also of interest here, a name you thought you had been done with hearing me say ever again. Ah, but CNN's year-to-year advertising information has come out. I will go over all of it because it doesn't take as long as it should because it's down 40% from last year last year before they ever heard the name. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo. That's next. This is Countdown. Uh, You you know, this is Countdown with, uh, you know, Keith Olbermann. Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline the Supreme Court. Somebody got scared. Chief Justice Roberts and Brett Party Down Kavanaugh lined up with the three liberals to strike down Alabama's racist congressional map upholding a key part of the Voting Rights Act with such alacrity that within hours, the Cook Political Report changed five of its congressional predictions for next year. Alabama's first and second districts and the Louisiana 5th and 6th go from solid Republican to toss-up, and the North Carolina 1st goes from toss-up to lean Democratic. As some political observers observed, the court may have just given the Democrats the House back. If that weren't shocking enough, a bid to hobble Medicaid and keep citizens from suing states for violating their rights was rejected by the court by seven to two. The only dissenters were Alito and Thomas. Obviously, Thomas's check has cleared. Dateline CNN, Hudson Yards, New York. Chris Licht is gone, but the memory and the stench lingers on. The advertising research from Media Radar reports that for the first four months of 2023, CNN's on-air and digital ad revenue had dropped 40% 
compared to the first four months of 2022 before Licht got there and started hunting for the middle that does not exist. In real terms, that's $200 million CNN did not make. For context, MSNBC lost 6.1% of its ad revenue, Fox 6.8%, CNN 40 But I'm sure they'll figure it out just because their old audience is gone and there's no stars in primetime or in the morning or any other time of the day. Faust, Dateline Fox, quote, news, unquote. It has announced that Monday, Sean Hannity's guest will be Governor Gavin Newsom of California, who admits he watches Fox all the time, whose ex-wife, Kimberly Guilfoyle, used to be on Fox before she turned out to be even too gross for them. Here's a question, Governor. Why? Why would you go on Fox now? Their own viewers have their foot on Fox's neck, and you go on there? It's like Stephen A. Smith going on with Hannity. You can only damage yourself. And even if you don't actually damage yourself during the show, they have all that tape of you that they can distort out of context and use against you next time. Democrats, do not go on Fox. They are mortally wounded. Let them bleed. Dateline Alderman Broadcasting Empire World Headquarters, Sports Capsule Building, New York. Sometime very late Tuesday, it looks like, this podcast crossed another threshold. 10 million downloads in a little over 10 months, a million 500,000 of them last month alone. As ever, I thank you for your support and your loyalty. And with that uncharacteristic niceness out of the way, it's not enough. It's not nearly enough. Tell the others, stop passersby. Seriously, thank you. Coming up, Fridays with Thurber, and many of his stories are clever, and many are funny, and then there are some whose plots are worthy of Arthur Conan Doyle or Shakespeare. The Catbird Seat, next. First, the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's best persons in the world. The bronze, bunch of people bashing Gene Simmons of Kiss because he showed up to the British Parliament and attended Prime Minister's Question Time, and he visited the Irish MP, Ian Paisley. Simmons also called for the restoration of the Stormont House Agreement, in which power in Northern Ireland would be shared by Irish and pro-British politicians for the benefit of citizens. And a lot of reaction here and there was, What? He's a rock and roll guy in face paint. Gene Simmons also used to be a sixth grade teacher. And I ask you this, which makes more sense? Gene Simmons, in his kiss attire, talking about Irish politics, or Marjorie Taylor Greene being allowed into Congress without a tour pass and adult supervision. The runners-up, Jesse Waters and Laura Ingram, who work at the rotting carcass of what used to be Fox, quote, news, unquote. Don't go on there, Governor. They continue to mock the last two days of the air in New York and Washington and all the Atlantic seaboard being tasteable, 
being so orange that as the satirical site Have I Got News For You pointed out, New Yorkers urge to remain vigilant after Donald Trump is rendered completely invisible. Waters mocked warnings to stay inside by saying, Everybody's saying stay inside, but I didn't listen. Which checks out because he's a moron. A lot of stupid people on Fox. Kilmeade is stupid. Harris Faulkner is so stupid. She used to have a cell phone case with her own picture on it. Apparently in case she forgot what she looked like. But Waters is next level. Ingram, meanwhile, hosted a climate change denier named Steve Malloy. And Steve Malloy said, we have this kind of air in India and China all the time. No public health emergency. This doesn't kill anybody. That doesn't make anybody cough. This is not a health event. No, of course not. Other than the extra million premature deaths a year from air pollution in China and India, doesn't mean a thing. (laughs) I'm surprised they didn't note that with the atmospheric patterns suggesting that we're in for a summer of this, New Yorkers and Washingtonians who have always wanted their own fireplace but could not afford one can now just open a window and make a crackling sound with some cellophane and pretend they have one. But our winner, good old George Santos. Once again, we can do two things at once. We can deplore his extraordinary dishonesty and his amazing conviction that he will continue to get away with it, because so far he has, while at the same time we can only look at his stamina with envy, his stamina in finding ways that none of the rest of us would have ever dreamed of to break laws, violate ethics, and surround ourselves with the worst possible people. That Mother Jones magazine, David Korn and Jacqueline Sweet report that Santos is so corrupt that his lawyer was in the mob that attacked the Capitol on January 6th. Now, we know Santos was in the VIP section that day for Trump's stochastic terrorism speech at the Ellipse. But now Mother Jones reports, quote, newly uncovered photos and video footage of January 6th show that his attorney, Joseph Murray, was in the angry mob that trespassed on Capitol grounds. It appears the attorney Murray got to the steps of the Capitol and stopped and watched. No evidence he went in, no evidence he broke the law. But Mother Jones says former Queens Republican District Leader Philip Grillo, who went into the Congress through a broken window, says he himself saw Murray on the way from the ellipse. Quote, he was leading the charge up the hill. He was urging us on, waving us to follow him. And now he's George Santos's lawyer. George, yeah, but he didn't go in the Capitol. Santos, today's worst person in the world. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.